Our scripture today comes uh, from two places. First, in Matthew chapter 1, beginning with verse 20. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And then from Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 30, But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Hello, Christ Church, and all of our friends joining us today. If you're on the website, we'd love to hear from you. Send us a prayer request or a praise report. If you're with us on Facebook, say hello to other friends in the chat. Let us know you're here. And of course, you can follow along with my outline on the website or our Christ Church app. Today, I'm continuing my series on the Apostles' Creed titled, I Believe. Why do a series on the Apostles' Creed? Well, because I think in every age it's important for Christ followers to talk about what we believe and why. It's important to be able to summarize the core beliefs, the core tenets of our faith. It's important for us to remember how our faith story surrounding Jesus originated and how it's been handed down through the centuries. We're here today because faithful followers of Jesus passed on the faith that was delivered to them. I hope you regularly give thanks to God for those who shared the story of Jesus Christ with you and that you are reaching out to others to pass on the good news of new life in Christ. You know, that's how it's done. That's how the next generation will have the faith passed on to it. From earliest times, followers of Jesus realized the value of developing a series of questions to help persons give witness to their faith. As we've said, those early questions were asked to help Christians preparing for baptism to affirm their faith. Questions like, Do you believe in God the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth? Do you believe in Jesus Christ, God's Son, our Lord? Do you believe Christ died on the cross and rose again from the dead? Those early questions were used to form what became the Apostles' Creed. Though the Creed was not written by the Apostles, it's called the Apostles' Creed because it reflects what the earliest Apostles taught. I remember how fascinating it was for me as a new believer to think that those earliest Apostles taught what they had seen and heard and experienced 
of the living and risen Jesus. I begin today with two familiar verses of Scripture that we often read around Christmas time. The first from Matthew 1.20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the what? The Holy Spirit. This verse tells us what the angel said to Joseph to reassure him about Mary's pregnancy. The second passage is from Luke 135. It says, The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the what? The Son of God. This verse is part of what the angel Gabriel said to Mary when he announced that she would give birth to Jesus. So, taken together, these verses form a fitting introduction to our next phrase of the Apostles' Creed, I believe in Jesus Christ who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Here we come face to face with the virgin birth of Christ a doctrine we tend not to think about except around Christmas time, but are considering it today because the early Christians felt that it was so vital, so important, they included it in the first Christian creed. Here are three simple statements about the virgin birth of Christ. First, it's clearly taught in the Scripture. Isaiah prophesied it 700 years before Christ's birth. Matthew and Luke explicitly included it in their Gospels. Second, it has been universally believed. This doctrine reaches across the main branches of the Christian church, Orthodox, Catholic, Protestant. Third, it has been hotly debated. Until the last 150 years, few people challenged this teaching. But with the rise of progressive Christianity, some theologians began to attack this doctrine as a fanciful superstition. Or they branded it as a legend created to make Jesus seem divine. Or they said the church borrowed a pagan myth. Or they declared that the silence of the New Testament outside of Matthew and Luke regarding it, the virgin birth must mean that it either doesn't matter or it didn't happen. And yet... The Scriptures report. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Someone has said the virgin birth falls on one of the great fault lines of the Christian faith. It rests on the great divide that separates those who believe the Scripture is inspired of God and those who don't. It separates those who believe in a supernatural Christ from those who believe He was just a good man or a moral teacher, a prophet perhaps, but not the Son of God from heaven. Because of the importance of this doctrine, it's important that we declare plainly what we believe about the birth of Jesus Christ. Christians make a claim for Jesus that cannot be made for any other person. Jesus' life did not begin 
with his birth or with his conception. Right did not begin in the chat. Unlike every other human being whose beginning can be traced to a specific moment in time, we declare that the true life of Jesus Christ had no beginning. Because He is eternal, He existed forever with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. This is an utterly supernatural claim that could not be made about anyone else. What do we mean when we say that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary? We mean at least four things. First of all, Jesus was born by the direct action of God. It's clear that no one was expecting anything like this. Joseph, remember, assumes the worst until the angel intervenes. And Mary is shocked and mystified by Gabriel's words. The Jews in general had no conception of a baby born to a virgin who would deliver them. It happened because God willed it to happen and for no other reason. God did it this way because God chose to do it this way. A virgin gives birth by a sovereign choice of Almighty God. Can God do that? Yes, God can. Second, no man was involved in the process. Not Joseph, not any other man. Jesus had a human mother, but no human father. Third, Jesus is fully human and fully divine. He is fully human because He comes forth from Mary's womb. He is fully divine because He is conceived by the Holy Spirit. He's not half human and half divine. He is fully human, fully divine. He is the God-man, one person possessing two natures, God incarnate in human flesh. Fourth, we say He is therefore without sin. Post without sin in the chat. Luke 1.35 calls Him the Holy One, meaning that He will be born without any taint of sin. He has no inherited sin from Adam, no sin nature. Nothing in Him will cause Him to sin. He is holy in the truest and deepest meaning of that word. There is no sin in Him or about Him. Now, why is all of this important? It shows us that Jesus is fully qualified to be our Savior. Write fully qualified in the chat. He is the one whom God has sent. Think about it this way. In order for Christ to be our Savior, three conditions must be met. Number one, He must be a man. An angel couldn't die for our sins. He must truly share our humanity. Secondly, He must be an infinite man. A mere mortal could not bear the infinite price that must be paid for our sins. Third, He must be an innocent man. A sinner, a guilty man, could not die for the sins of others. The virgin birth assures that our Lord 
fulfills all three conditions. Because He is born of Mary, He is fully human. Because He is conceived by the Holy Spirit, He is fully God. Because He is born holy, He is sinless in thought, word, and deed. Thus, Jesus is fully qualified to be our Savior. Hallelujah! So how did it happen? What exactly took place when the Holy Spirit conceived the human life of Jesus Christ within Mary's womb? Well, the most honest answer is, we don't know. Because what happened was a pure miracle. It was a miracle of the highest order. Compared with God saying, let there be light and light appearing out of darkness. The virginal conception of Jesus was a direct, creative miracle of God. You can post miracle in the chat. That also means it's a, a mystery that we will never fully understand. Only God could create a human life that is fully human and yet fully divine. So what does that mean for us? Get this. There is a direct connection between the manger and the cross. The circumstances surrounding Jesus' birth are directly connected with the significance of His death on the cross for you and me. Jesus' virgin birth establishes His true identity as the Son of God, as the Anointed One, the promised Messiah, our Savior. Because of who He is, his sacrificial death on the cross can uniquely pay the price for our sins, for our salvation. Remember when the angel told Joseph that the baby Mary was carrying had been conceived by the Holy Spirit? In the very next breath, he told Joseph in Matthew 1.21, You are to give him the name Jesus because he will what? Save his people from their sins. The virgin birth matters greatly because it tells us plainly who Jesus is and it lays the foundation for the great work He will accomplish on the cross. Because Jesus is born of Mary, He is truly human. Because He is conceived of the Holy Spirit, He is free from inherited guilt handed down from Adam. Thus, He is fully able to stand in our place, to take our guilt, our shame, our punishment. Jesus could pay for our sins precisely because He had no sin and no guilt of His own. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. I love that image. This brings us to the forefront of Paul's words in Romans 5, 6. You see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. At the precise point of our weakness, Christ was strong. He succeeded where Adam and, and all of Adam's descendants failed. We were so helpless that we could not do anything to save ourselves. The virgin birth teaches us that our salvation is entirely 
supernatural. You can post supernatural in the chat. When God wanted to save the world, He had to take the initiative to send His Son. We were helpless. We still are helpless. Try as we might, we still fall short. We still make mistakes. We need God's grace. The virgin birth teaches us that our salvation is entirely by grace. Aren't you glad? God does it all because we could not do any of it. So remember this. When you know you need a Savior, you have one. His name is Jesus. He is the one who is fully God, conceived by the Holy Spirit, not by man. The perfect one who is without sin. And yet he is fully human, born of flesh and blood, born of the Virgin Mary. He knows our struggles. He understands our weaknesses. He can identify with our sorrow and pain. Because of who he is in the manger, the Holy One, the Son of God, he can uniquely pay the price for your sin and mine, for your salvation and mine through His death on the cross. His body was broken. His blood was shed. Through faith in Jesus, you have forgiveness, new life, eternal life. There is a direct connection between the manger and the cross. Let's pray about that. Let's pray together. Oh, Heavenly Father, Almighty God, glorious Lord, we thank you for the good news that comes to us through your Son, Jesus. Because of who He is and what He has done, we have the promise of forgiveness and the hope of eternal life. Jesus was born fully human and fully divine. Though He was completely human like us in every way, yet He had no sin. He was the God-man, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Therefore, His death on the cross was the perfect sacrifice for our sin, for our salvation. His body was broken, His blood was shed, that we might be saved from the law of sin and death. O Lord, thank You for the glory and mystery of Your salvation. Help us love You and others with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And we do it in light of your great love for us, in your Son, Jesus. In His name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. As a time of response, I invite you now to share with me again the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. 
Hey, I hope the message spoke to you today. Remember, when you need a Savior, there is no one like Jesus, fully human, fully divine. If you'd like to visit more about the message or how you can have this new life with God through faith in Jesus, please contact me. If you've joined us today and have prayer requests or praise reports, send them to us. We want to hear from you. Use the app. Go to the website. You know, giving back is one of the most tangible ways to thank God for His goodness. You can use text to give, the app. You can go to the website, mail in contributions. Thank you in advance for your generosity. Be sure to take advantage of all of our discipleship opportunities. Find all the information you need on our website, cumctulsa.com. Remember this, there is no one like Jesus, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. That is good news, friend. Look forward to these upcoming opportunities. For now, who do you know that needs to hear this good news about Jesus. You know, Brittany, I wrote a song about a tortilla. Actually, it was more of a rap. The challenges of raising your children don't end when they turn 18. Hurting Parents Support Group can help you navigate the challenges your family encounters as your children become adults. Hurting Parents next meets July 11th at 5 p.m. And kids, Wacky Wednesday is back. We have a fun afternoon planned for pre-K through the sixth grade. Wednesday, June 30th, join us at the church from 2 to 4 p.m. for a gym day with activities and water play. Snacks are provided and there's no cost, but you do need to pre-register. Email Tanya and let her know your kids will be there. Today, June 27th, we'd like you to take a hike. The Fellowship Board invites you to hike with us at Turkey Mountain at 2 p.m. And if you're a talker but not a walker, bring your chairs and visit with us. You can find all of this information on our website at cumctulsa.com.